Rasul Jesus Christ, the Son of the Living God, to be the glory forever. Amen. Then he began to tell the people this parable: A certain man planted a vineyard, leased it to vine dressers, and went into a far country for a long time. Now at vengeance time he sent a servant to the vine dressers, that they might give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the vine dressers beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Again he sent another servant, and they beat him also, treated him shamefully, and sent him away empty-handed. And again he sent a third, and they wounded him also and cast him out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, "What shall I do?" I will send my beloved son. Probably they will respect him when they see him. But when the vine dressers saw him, they reasoned among themselves, saying, "This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, that the inheritance may be ours." So they cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, what will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy those vine dressers. And give the vineyard to others. And when they heard it, they said, "Certainly not." Then he looked at them and said, "What then is this that is written? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Whoever falls on that stone will be broken, but on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder." And the chief priests and the scribes that very hour sought to lay hands on him. But they feared the people, for they knew that he had spoken this parable against This morning, our Lord Jesus Christ is giving the parable of the vineyard and the vine dressers. This parable was given in response to the Jewish leaders, sort of challenging our Lord Jesus Christ about the source of his authority. Like they were asking, you know, by what authority do you do these things? And so he tells them the the parable about the wicked tenants in the vineyard. Why? Because the main part of the story, and what I want to focus on this morning, is that. The workers in the vineyard, who represent uh, the scribes, the Pharisees, and in some ways can represent us as people in the church, wrongfully assumed ownership of something that did not belong to them. This parable is actually one of uh, only three parables that uh, were found in all of the what are called the Synoptic Gospels: Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So obviously, this this. Uh, This parable is very important to the extent that all of the gospel um, writers mention it. <coughs> Excuse me. So the question that we should ask, or the question that's for the Jewish rulers and for all of us who's listening to the parables, who is the owner of the vineyard? Okay. And keeping in mind the answer to who the owner is, the vineyard will determine how we are supposed to live. So if God is the owner of the vineyard, we have to live in accountability to Him. 
When the people who were listening to this parable would have heard this parable, they would have immediately, right away, thought about Isaiah chapter 5, because there's a similar parable in Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah talks about Israel as God's vineyard, and he warns that he's going to lay the vineyard waste, like he's going to have it ruined, because it's not producing any grapes. Okay? And our Lord Jesus Christ is saying that God is expecting fruit from his vineyard. But he emphasizes in this story, and even in the, in the parable in Isaiah, sort of God's great patience and His love in sending messengers and finally in this parable sending His Son. If the people produce no fruit and kill the Son, they will face terrible judgment. But even though they kill the Son, He's going to triumph and become the chief cornerstone. That's basically the, the, the gist of the, of the parable. These things are applying not only to ancient Israel, not only to the Pharisees that he's reading this or saying this parable to, but also to us who God grafted in to his vineyard. Right. So the parable tells us a number of things about God and what his expectations for us as God's people. First and foremost, as I mentioned, that God expects fruit from his people. Why would God go and bother to plant a vineyard if he does not expect fruit? In, in the time where this parable is, is given in the time of our Lord Jesus Christ, it's a common arrangement for an owner. Sort of, he's renting out the vineyard to farmers and they would pay a percentage of the, of the crop each year. So at the right time, at the harvest or whatever, the owner would rightfully send his servant to collect what the farmers owed him. By the way, we would misunderstand this parable if we look at those tenant farmers as like, uh, poor uh, servants who are being abused or, or, or being treated poorly by a demanding owner. Actually, they are very privileged to be able to work in the owner's vineyard. They didn't have to plant it. The owner did that. They didn't have to work to make it, to, to, to buy it. The owner did that. They just entered into the vineyard. They worked. They made a good living for themselves and for their families. The owner was not a greedy tyrant who stood over them with a whip driving them, making them produce fruit. He freely entrusted them with the vineyard and let them work as they saw fit. And then for all of those privileges, the owner is just saying, at the end of harvest, I need the fruit that you produce or I need my portion of the fruit that you produce. And in the same way, God has done everything to provide for Israel, which is his vineyard. He drove out, for example, uh, when he gave them the promised land, he drove out the wicked nations and he gave the promised land to the people. He protected them from all the nations around them, even though those nations were greater than them. He entrusted his people to leaders who, if they were faithful, would have harvested crop. Israel would have been or should have been <coughs> a light to the nations, pointing the whole world to God, who is so richly supplying all of their needs. So God, who provided so abundantly for the vineyard, had every right to expect fruit. And the same thing with us. We are greatly privileged that God has given us Scripture, God has given us the Church, God has supplied us with everything pertaining to life and to godliness. And He wants us to bear fruit with Christ-like virtues and Christ-like lives so that the hungry people who do not know Him will taste and see that the Lord is good. Those of us who live here, here in the West, in America, are the most spiritually privileged people in probably all of history. We have God's word in our language. We have an almost endless supply of helpful, readily available spiritual resources. We have more free time than any other time in history to pursue, to pursue like spiritual things. We're blessed with adequate financial resources to support God's work 
both here and you know, kind of around the world. All of these great privileges that God gives us comes with the responsibility of bearing fruit for the owner of the vineyard. All of us are either living for ourselves and our own gratification or we're living to bear fruit for our Lord Jesus Christ. We're either laboring for what we can get out of the vineyard or what, for what we can produce for the, earn, for the owner. The wicked tenant farmers in the parable, they're not working for the owner, they're working for themselves. But the thing is, or, or, or sort of the, the irony is, we always find the most pleasure when we live to bear fruit for our Lord Jesus Christ, not when we live for ourselves. Even though we think living for ourselves is the, is the best thing. God, the owner of the vineyard, is expecting fruit from His people. The other thing from the parable that we can learn is God in His great patience sends messengers repeatedly to motivate us to live accountably to Him. So at this point, the parable is not at all like real life. The wicked tenant farmers, after they send servants, after the, the owner sends servants, and they beat them up, and they come away empty-handed. Any human owner, any business person, immediately would have thrown out those people. He would have persecuted them legally for their negligence, for their abuse, and he would have replaced them with tenants who were going to do the right thing. People who would manage the vineyard more faithfully. But actually we're lucky and thank God that this owner who is representing God is not, you know, business is not his number one priority. He sends a second servant who's also mistreated. And then, you know, most people after two times would say, okay, that's it, I've sent two servants and that's enough. But he sends a third <coughs> and then he sends his son. Our Lord Jesus Christ is showing us sort of the almost unreasonable, illogical, higher than human patience of God. He sent his prophets to Israel over and over again looking for fruits. But the disobedient nation, they ignored him over and over and over again. And they mistreated the servants, mistreated the prophets, even killed some of those faithful servants. But despite that, God kept sending them over and over and over as a demonstration of his patience, of his love, of his grace. The history of the people of Israel reveals sort of like the wickedness of the human heart. The people of Israel, there is no group of people more privileged by God than Israel, the covenant nation of God. But they repeatedly turned away from God. While Moses was on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments, Israel was in the valley below worshipping a calf. Time and time again, they disobeyed God in the wilderness. When they finally got into the promised land, instead of living as a separate holy people, they became exactly like the people around them and even worse. But like St. Paul says, when sin abounded, God's grace abound even more. Way beyond human expectation. So God patiently he sent prophet after prophet after prophet. Like I said, as a businessman, this owner is a failure. If you're talking about sort of like money. <coughs> he should have thrown out the tenants, should have got new tenants, people who would listen. But thank God he is not this hard-nosed businessman. He's more patient than we can imagine. If we have been... Christians for any length of time, any significant length of time, I should be able to look, at, look back at God's great patience and great grace and mercy in His dealings with me. And that ought to motivate me to serve Him more zealously. How many times have I been self-centered, living for my own life and not bearing the fruit for God? And yet He always he keeps sending messengers to me to get me back on track. God sends us servants and priests who proclaim 
the word of God to us. He gives us the Bible in which we can read for ourselves. He gives us the saints to be inspired by. He gives us the sacraments to strengthen us. We see many other messengers in his church, friends and others who, who warn us either by their lives or by their word of the need to live fruitful lives. God even graciously sends us problems, sends us health problems to show us how frail and how dependent on him we are. He, show, he, he sends us signs of aging to understand that eternity is what matters and we're not going to be here forever. All of these messengers given to us over and over again remind us that eternity is near and we have to give account. God's great patience in dealing with the, the farmer should motivate us to live accountably for him, bearing fruit in our lives. Another thing that we learn from this parable that God's great love seen in sending his son should motivate us to live accountably to him. The owner, after sending the servants who were all treated poorly and abused, sent his beloved son. He says, what shall I do? I will send my beloved son, perhaps they will respect him. Again, this is where this parable is not exactly like reality. God doesn't wonder about what to do or what will happen next. You know, when God sends our Lord Jesus Christ, when God the Father is sending Christ, He knows He's going to be treated poorly, He's going to be killed. But in telling the story, our Lord Jesus Christ is, is sort of trying to explain the dilemma that God has with His people to show the depth of God's amazing love and actually show the depth of the wickedness of the human heart. The Father's love is so great that <coughs> He's willing to send His Son knowing he's going to be abused, or even after his servants have been abused. And actually the wickedness of the human heart is seen in the people who would not only disregard the son, but kill him for their own selfish needs. The other thing that's to keep in mind is there's a small theological point here. When Christ is saying, I'm going to send a servant, send a servant, send a servant, and then he's going to send his son, it's important to understand that that means that the other servants are different and, and our Lord Jesus Christ stands apart from the other servants who are sent. They were servants, but He is the beloved Son. He's uniquely God's Son, the owner of the vineyard, one essence with the Father, one with Him intimately related to Him in a way that no one else is. Our Lord Jesus Christ, of course, is God in human flesh. When the Son showed up, actually the, the farmers assumed that the owner was dead. Because in Jewish law, property wouldn't be claimed by an heir until a, a specific time after the death of the, of the father. So they assume that if we get rid of the son, there will be no more heir and then we will be able to have the vineyard for ourselves. So the issue is, who owns the vineyard? They didn't want to submit themselves to God's rightful ownership. They wanted to rule the vineyard. And imagine God's infinite love to send his son into a world that is this corrupt. You can imagine how, how God can look down on the earth and see the evil in the world that is committed every day and the sins that are committed outwardly and the sins in the heart of all of us that are committed inwardly daily. And how did God treat this evil world? One of the most famous verses we have, God demonstrates His own love towards us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So knowing that He's going to bear the penalty for the sin that we would commit, our Lord Jesus Christ is still willing to take on human flesh and to come and to serve this wicked world. 
Another thing this parable teaches us is God's righteous judgment on those who are going to reject His Son and how that should motivate us also to live accountably to Him. St. Paul kind of explains this in Romans. He says, Behold then the kindness and severity of God. God's kindness is seen in sending far more servants to Israel than, than really she deserved. His severity is seen when these wicked tenant farmers kill the son. Our Lord Jesus Christ is God's final messenger. The sum or the full, fullness of divine revelation to mankind. If we reject him, there is no further remedy. There's nothing for us to do. Judgment is, is all that is ahead of us. And our Lord Jesus Christ pronounces judgment that the owner of the vineyard will come and destroy these vine dressers and will give the vineyard to others. You know, that made people think like, no way, that, may that never happen. And it's a shock for them to think that that would happen. But actually this judgment took place for the people of Israel when, when the nation of Israel was sort of completely and, uh, and utterly destroyed in about 70 AD. They lost their privilege in as God's covenant nation. The nation was completely destroyed and dispersed. But St. Paul tells us something. He says we shouldn't sort of boast because of this, but we have to fear. Because God can remove us and use some other group of people to fulfill His purpose in the same way. The point is, if we claim to be God's people and we live selfishly and do not bear fruit in His vineyard, He's going to set us aside and raise up others. So I need to apply this not just uh, to like the church at large, but to myself. I miss the point if I think this parable is not given to myself. If you think about who our Lord Jesus Christ is speaking to, He's giving it to people, He's telling the sermon to people who claim they know God, to the nation's religious leaders. But they wrongly thought they were the owners of the vineyard. They thought it was their ministry. They are using it for their own purposes. As a result, they rejected our Lord Jesus Christ's place as the owner of the vineyard. So the lesson for us, the church is not my church. It's not the church of the priests. It's God's church. He's the owner of the vineyard. If He allows us to work in the vineyard, we're blessed. Any work that we do in the vineyard is not for us. It's for the owner. We need to be careful because it's easy for us to start to enjoy sort of the grapes that are in the vineyard can be personally gratifying to serve God. You maybe like the nice things that people say to you. You enjoy being used by God for His purposes. All of this is fine as long as you remember that it is His vineyard and that all I do is for Him. But if you start serving for what you get out of it and drift into thinking that it is your ministry, then I have just taken over or usurped the rightful place of the owner. If you keep going in this direction, he may come one day and remove you from your place, from your service in the vineyard. So God is expecting fruit from His people. In His great patience, in His great grace, He sends messengers to us when we get off track to motivate us to bear fruit. He sends His beloved Son so that we are motivated to live accountably towards Him. And there is righteous judgment on those of us who reject His Son and claim ownership of something that does not belong to us. So our Lord Jesus Christ is telling this parable for two main reasons. He's wanting to encourage faithful servants who get beat up, who get thrown out of the vineyard to remain faithful. He owns the vineyard and the main thing is for His servants to bear fruit for Him. Secondly, 
He told it to warn those who wrongly think that they are the owner of the vineyard when they are not. And the day of judgment is coming for those who claim to be the owners of the vineyard. Our Lord Jesus Christ is the rightful heir, the rightful owner of the vineyard. Either we submit to Him and serve Him, or we face judgment. If we wrongly start thinking that we own the vineyard, just like He said, the stone will fall on us and scatter us and turn us into dust. May God make us and keep us worthy servants in His vineyard to bear fruit to the glory of His name. And glory be to God forever and ever.